When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Everybody, how you doing? Woo! My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. You are listening to PHLY Flyers post game. I am joined tonight by JP Zapata. What's going on, JP? Dude, I feel great, man. Flyers are playing good. And they're not getting enough talk in the city, which is a topic for another day. But guys, five straight wins. Get the Stanley Cup hopes going because they are playing good hockey. And I'm excited to talk about it here, man. But wow, we five, got to give him some love. Five man. in a row. I did not realize, uh, and JJ said this at the end of the broadcast, first time in three and a half years. And if my math's right, that means this is the first time they've lo- they've won five in a row since they won nine straight ahead of the uh, COVID shutdown. That's right. Now, they won nine in a row, then lost 2 nothing to Boston, and then the following day, the entire world ended. That's right. So... Either they have to lose soon or (laughs) they have to win 10 in a row to avoid some sort of global disaster. (laughs) The fate of the world is in your hands. And I'm not really sure which angle I want to play that they can't get to nine or they have to do 10. I'm not really sure if it's they have to lose or they have to keep winning. Uh, But either way, I'm pretty excited about what I saw out there last night. Uh, or t- tonight, excuse me, uh, this, this five in a row, they come in and Columbus is not a good team. Yeah. You know, Patrick Line is scratched. They're trying to motivate. Jo- they're trying to motivate Johnny Goudreau. He was uh, benched for an entire third period the other night. It, there's just a lot. Uh, it, they're a shit show. For I sure. mean, they had to fire their head coach before he actually even started working. Like, you know, and now they have Pascal Vincent behind the bench and he's trying to create some sort of culture there. And uh, it ain't taken right now, but they came in tonight. They had lost eight straight. I think they're, they were 06 and two coming into yeah. this one. Flyers playing well. So obviously everyone on Twitter is like, oh, well. The streak was fun while it lasted, but the Flyers actually show up and play well. And this was, that's what kind of stuck out to me is this was a desperate, this was a, a desperate Columbus team. They'd lost eight straight and it was very evident from the beginning that they were trying to really get in the Flyers heads a little. They were trying to do the shit that coaches go. Yeah. See, he's trying like they're trying to start scrums They, you know, there was a fight in the first period. Right. Olivier didn't play when they played in the uh, in the opener, right. and now he's back in. And Garnett Hathaway had you know kind of taken a run at someone in that game, and so he's trying to get revenge. Columbus played desperate, and the Flyers just kind of outdid them. They right. just uh, the Flyer. I don't know if this is the best game the Flyers played, and during this, I mean, just last night they beat the Vegas Golden Knights, who are awesome. Columbus is the opposite of that, but I was impressed with what I saw just in terms of, man, second night of a back-to-back against a bad team, if, if backup goalie in net. If you're going to come out flat, tonight is the night you were going to come out flat, and they didn't. They didn't at all. They were very good from the first shift. 
Yeah, and they they still got the one that's most important. And you should never take this team, this Flyers team, for granted. I mean, we lost to the winless San Jose Sharks, so never ever take them for granted. But it's crazy. Like you bring up Columbus, it's a team that Tortorella obviously built a good culture. They were making playoffs, and in a short span, it fell apart. They kind of look like us over the past couple years because they have some talent, right? They do, but it's not been put together. It hasn't, and it, the team really. Like, it was important for them to make the playoffs, and they won a round for the very first time, and they beat that awesome Tampa team. Right. They had the best regular season since the 96 Red Wings. They were incredible. And then Columbus goes out and sweeps them. They'd never been to the second round before. And for a B market like Columbus, it's right. very important for them to get the playoff revenue. Like, so they didn't sell at the deadline. They held on to Bob Rovsky. They held on to some guys and then they all leave in free agency and they're kind of starting from scratch, but they decided, yeah, we're not going to rebuild. Like, even though they trade Seth Jones, they, they just made some very, very odd decisions all the way up until last off season when they go out and sign Johnny Goudreau and, like, if he didn't fit the Flyers' timeline, which he didn't, that was correct. There were other Flyers' moves that were like, well, if you think Risto does and Johnny doesn't, what the hell are we doing? But <laughs> listen, it was the right move. Johnny did not fit the timeline at the time. He fit Columbus's somehow? Like, it just, it really doesn't make sense except for the idea of, well, Columbus needs to sell jerseys and tickets because they, they're not, you know, they're not Toronto. They're not Philly. They're not New York. Right. It's not a team with excess cash. They have to have t people in the building, but I, it just isn't working there for whatever Tortorella left. And listen, it's not as if <laughs> Tortorella has a pretty short shelf life. We've seen over the last yeah. few years, which makes his tenure here. Interesting. How's this going to go? He seems to have a lot of say. We will talk about Morgan Frost in a little bit because my contract actually says I must speak <laughs> about Morgan Frost. It is uh, it's, it's a demand that they make of me here, uh, but I, it's, I don't know what else to call them but a shit show. Like That's it. That's all it really is down there in Columbus. And they played desperate tonight, but the Flyers beat them. And the Flyers look really freaking good. Right, right before we go on air, you just go, have you checked the standings? Yeah. And they're in there. They're only a point out of like the second spot in the, uh, in the division. They're holding on to a wild card spot right now. It's this week, right. Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. This is a hockey show, so we always yeah, have to designate right. American Thanksgiving. That is the cutoff point. You have like a 90, 95% chance of making the playoffs if you're in a playoff spot on American Thanksgiving. They are. This so you're is saying pretty there's fucking a chance. insane. <laughs> there's a really good chance at this point. It's, it is exciting. Now, this, this Columbus Blue Jacks team is interesting. And, like, when I look at them, I kind of am thankful we didn't go for Johnny Goudreau, even though I was one of those guys. My Galadia, I was saying bring Johnny back home. But it's there's a reason why we didn't do it. And I, I think what I was more worried about was that Chuck was making that decision. And I don't necessarily trusted Chuck, but no. I mean, you kind of see what's going on right now with Columbus. They are in a tough spot because they have been paying a lot for players and they don't have a good team. Yeah, it's fun. Columbus can, you know, wear Johnny Goudreau jersey, right? But they can't really boast about the wins. And that's kind of the tough part. So you kind of have to you kind of have to look at this as a Flyers fan and be thankful because we do have a direction. We do have a plan. And we'll have our Johnny Goudreau eventually down the line. Just not right now. Yeah, and that's that's what it all comes down to. And I, I do wonder like I was also on the Goudreau bandwagon. Listen, his dad Stop. taught me to skate. Like, I grew up at <laughs> Hollydale. I am a fan of Johnny. Like, he's from South Jersey. Me too. You know? Shout to Hollydale. And, and, like, everybody, everybody who's from South Jersey, Johnny's dad taught them right. to skate. I'm not, like, special <laughs> in any way. But, like, I, I was on that bandwagon, and I do wonder, and listen... He didn't disrupt. If they wanted to rebuild, his presence did not disrupt that last year. They picked third. The Flyers picked right. seventh, you know? Like, they were the second worst team in the league. Uh, but I do wonder if he's sulking a bit down there. Like, I wonder if he's just like, this place is a disaster. I wanted to go to Philly or Jersey right. so I would be home. I thought I was going to be playing with my buddies, Kevin Hayes. Like, his uh, his one friend on the team, Eric Robinson, he's down in the AHL now. Like, I just wonder if he's like, man, they gave me 70 million bucks. I don't care. This place is a joke. Like, I really, really wonder if that's his mindset. And if it is... The Flyers have not exactly been the most well-run organization in the league over the last few years, 
would his attitude be the same? And would we be sitting there just regretting that contract? Not because it's a ton of money to a good player and we're trying to rebuild, but because yeah. it doesn't fit the Tortorella culture a little bit. Yeah, one thing we know, like in, in hockey and NHL specifically, there's not a lot of egotistical guys. Like in the NBA, in the NFL, MLB, you'll see a lot of guys take that deal because they want to get paid. But no, like a guy like Goudreau, he wants to win. And he, yeah, he took that Columbus deal thinking he was going to make some money. And also uh, coming a little closer to home obviously helps as well. But yeah, he probably had some hopes that they would be a contender in the playoffs. And it hasn't been happening. And yeah, he does. It, 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 it's hard not to have those negative thoughts in your head. Like, why the fuck did I sign with the Columbus Blue Jackets? But he's got he's kind of has to sit in his own mess here now, and we'll we'll see what transpires with Columbus. <laughs> Maybe later down the line, closer to the end of that deal, they'll probably trade him. Who knows? Maybe we do get a reunion when he's old and he comes to Philly. We're good, and Mitchkov and and Gauthier are fucking killing this team. So it'll be interesting to see down the line. But it's not good right now. No, it really isn't. Uh, Ivan Provorov there as well. He scored a goal tonight. I'm pretty sure Boone Jenner kicked it in, but they didn't review it. It looked like whatever. We'll talk. We are going to get to the Flyers uh, because it's really about them tonight. But first, calling all card collectors. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card, gift, and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as T-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell and Ness. 47 brand junk food starter and shy vintage sports and if you're uh, looking to grade your own sports card collection wheelhouse offers psa grading submissions they also host tons of different family friendly events and birthday parties every month so stop into either of their stores in wayne or westchester open seven days a week at 11 a.m use code phly and get ten dollars off any purchase of 25 dollars or more in store also be sure to give them a follow on instagram at wheelhouse cards listen we're all going to be out there black friday shopping is coming up and i know we all love to do things online because it's easy and you get the promo codes it's super simple but right here an in-store promo code i always appreciate that phly for ten dollars off at wheelhouse cards in wayne or westchester all right so back to this uh flyers team because we've talked enough i think about columbus people making jokes about it not being the most exciting town. They do have Ohio State. Like, I got to believe a, like a city with that level of college campus would be a pretty good time, especially for a dude like Goudreau, who we know likes to have a good time. <laughs> but as uh, as Johnny Sachs said there, Jeff Carter was happier in Lumbus than ho- Johnny Hockey. And that's very funny because <laughs> at no point was Jeff Carter in a good mood there. The comment uh, sections on ones, and I love these comments. Today. I want to get to this. Uh, I want to get to this team's resiliency real quick because I think yeah. that is... It's what stood out to me most through the first, what are we at, like 18 games or 16, 17, I don't know what it is at this point. Uh, But through the first couple of months of this season, the Flyers' resiliency, and I've talked to you about this, like for years, Charlie and I on Broad Street Hockey would discuss how one problem would become five and suddenly we're in a 10-game losing streak. And this team has really overcome some adversity at least in my mind, that would have floored them in past seasons. You mentioned to start, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm on here freaking the fuck out because they lost to San Jose, who hadn't won a game. Since then, now they have won five straight, and I just really appreciate little things that this team does. Uh, They give up a lead, but maybe they just don't let it snowball into, and now we're down 4-1. Like uh, last night, they failed to convert on that five-minute major. Suddenly, they're 2 nothing lead. It's a tie game. Right. They didn't fold. They didn't even seem phased. Uh, and that seems like a big change in mindset. Like, Against the reigning yeah, Stanley Cup uh, champs, know, too. Tonight, they, uh, they give up a goal to make it 3-2. Yeah. And then immediately took a penalty at the end of the second period. And it's like, oh, those late-period goals are always momentum killers. And now they're going to be basically on the power play for the rest of the period. Here comes 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. No. They kill the penalty and they come out in the third period and they were the hungrier team for a lot of that third period. And I'm just very impressed by what I'm seeing out of them. I think just overall, obviously, like there is youth here. And obviously, I do think that the guys are buying into torts. 
But I think what's important too is that you actually have some talent now. Like years prior, like you mentioned, the years where we were having back to back like ten game losing streaks. Like look at some of those lines that you're putting out there. But you do it was Giroux and Voracek, and that was it. Yeah, and like you know, you look at this team. Like obviously, it's still not. You wouldn't say it's a top ten team in the league, but you have a Coots here. You do have a Cam Atkinson. You know, we'll talk a little about Joel Ferry, but he's someone that people do look at within this league. So you have more talent now. And I think you put that all together and you're seeing what's going on right now. I don't think that's, I don't think anyone's still saying like, you know, this is a clear shot playoff team, but this team is going to fight for a playoff spot. They are. I, I think it's going to come down to those final weeks of the regular season just because of the guys are just buying in. And the, the, this team is better on paper than what we have seen in years prior. And yeah, I do think, uh, as Douglas points out, having a no nonsense guy for like sure. Schwartz helps. I do think. Like, they've had coaches who've tried to be disciplinarians before. I mean, my God, LaViolette, Barubi. Like, Hackstall <laughs> tried to do it with the younger guys, but he didn't exactly have a ton of cachet in the league. He was a rookie coach. But uh, Elaine Vigneault so was tough on some guys. Not, uh, But Torch just seems to... He seems to be pushing the right buttons. And whether you're a John Tortorella fan or not, you can't look at this roster and go, oh, yeah, this is a playoff team. Like, oh, easily this team should be like, no, like they might make it. They probably won't. But just watching the way they play, like you said, they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot. They compete pretty much every night. Yes, yeah. there's going to be clunkers. It's a long freaking season and it is still early. Maybe when teams raise their game after Christmas, after January, after the all-star break, we see a different level and the Flyers can't get to it. Yeah. But for right now, man. What, what do we have to be like all that? Like what? Oh yeah. Well, Morgan Frost didn't play. Like, I don't know. There's one five in a row. Like I'm got, it's hard to really complain about the coaching when yeah. I think the coaching is a catalyst here. And the foundations are being built for the future. It's something we talked about yesterday, building those foundations. And those are being built within this, this second year here for Tortorella. Yeah, they absolutely are. And I want to talk about the one lineup decision he did make tonight. Uh, well, the first one, the big one, Bobby Brink scores his fourth goal yeah. of the season, gets it on the power play. That is now a uh, that's three power play goals in two games, which is what they had the last time right before an eight game goalless streak. So we'll see how this one goes. Dude, but what a slight it's, too. It's he is providing not just playmaking, but uh, that I thought was going to be the, his thing. Like he was going to be a passer. That was going to be his calling card. And he's still showing a lot of creativity. He creates chances for his line mates. He's got a much, much better shot than uh, than I accounted for. And I don't... I, I mean, he's going to come out of the lineup again at some point. I, I very much would be... I would be very surprised if John Tortorella is like, nope, he's in. He's one of our staples. Like, he's going to sit again. But right now... It's very hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, he's not one of the, you know, nine best forwards or six best scoring wingers. Like, he deserves as much ice time as he can get. And I think maybe they're pushing the right buttons. Like, yeah, give him a few days off. Maybe yeah. he's not all the way ready for the NHL. But when he's in there, he makes shit happen. Yeah. No, I mean, the thing is, is that, like, you're saying all the right things. Like, I completely agree. Like, how do you take Bobby Brink out? And especially, you know, he contributed on the power play here today. Power play has improved. Obviously, we talked about yesterday's power play performance was really great. And obviously here today, they add another goal in here. But I think more importantly, like, I can't help but think, like, what the heck happens to Morgan Frost now? And that's unfortunately where my it's, head goes. But like Bobby is playing well enough to be consistently in the lineup. I will say, and we have uh, we have a commenter, uh <laughs> WYM 139 was Paling's last three point game, his first career game when he scored that hat trick. I would, I would bet it was. Uh, I'll check out his game logs after this, but it's a definite possibility. Um, I like Morgan Frost, and I think you should be using this season to find out what he is. I think a lot of people forget that he and Ryan Paling are basically the same age. They were in the same draft, only a few picks apart. Right. I think. I think Paling's like three, four months older than him, maybe. Like not, yeah. they're they're the same. They're the same age, and while Morgan Frost will probably create more consistent offense than Paling, Paling does a lot. You know, like he does a lot of different things. He wins faceoffs for you, which Bobby Brink is very bad at. He contributes on the penalty kill. We see him with the shorthanded goal tonight. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's just. He might just be a more complete player, and maybe he doesn't have the ceiling, but in terms of fitting into a role, 
I, he might fit better into a role for somebody going forward. Ryan Paling might not be a throwaway on this team. And if that's the case, you just look at what this team might be in March, uh, depending on how long Cutter Gauthier's college season goes. Like, all right, we got Couturier, we got Cates, we got Paling, and now here comes Cutter Gauthier. Well, that's four centers. Yeah. Uh, you only have four lines. Yeah. Like, they don't seem all that interested in playing Morgan Frost on the wing. They have a ton of wingers already. He might just be odd man out, and that's the way it goes. If that's the case, I'm hoping they're able to like somehow maximize his value and trade him for something decent. But it's hard to say I absolutely have to have Morgan Frost as part of this team when I watch a game like tonight and – I just see a bunch of guys who might be better fits than him. Well, this is where I'm conflicted. I so, am. like, it, it, I mean, it has to be that Torts hates Morgan Frost. Because, like, <laughs> can, I, can I genuinely ask you, like, what has Noah Cates has done? What has he done? He's been demoted to the fourth line, and he's provided basically no offense for them this year. They're really hoping he was going to take a step. That's a good question. I guess it's they just are more confident in him even if it's a defense only role. Okay. They think he can provide that, but I'm with you. Like I think Noah Cates maybe like but they never sit him at all. He's ne it just seems like he is one of the dudes who are immune. And and he would be someone if I was looking for a reason to get Morgan Frost back into the lineup. That and that's He is I a guy I might okay, well guess what? Paling is back to fourth line center and Morgan Frost is your 3 and yeah. like Noah Cates comes out. I'm very interested to see if that happens at any point. I don't think it's going to, though. I don't think so either. I mean, you've even seen Lots center of the fourth line before, too, this season. So, like, it, it's just really weird. And the only thing I can chalk it up is that, yeah, just Torts does not like Morgan Frost. But the dude, obviously, is talent. He's helped us a little bit in the power play. So, it is just a little bit weird that a guy like Noah Cates, who really has not been contributing close to anything for us, he doesn't get set at all. But Morgan Frost is getting sat game in one game he's starting, one game he's not, and it's just it's just weird. Straight Someone up, else uh, who I am a uh, a big big fan of okay. is listen. I was critical of the Nick Delorier signing, <laughs> but I like him as a player. Like yeah, I love the fights. Team, like the reason I fell in love with hockey was the fights. I am the barbarian fan who loves this shit. Um, <laughs> I did not think this was a great game for him as the, well, his reason in the lineup is protection. Like, you have to have a dude like that. Otherwise, okay. teams are going to take liberties on you. I saw Travis Sanheim take a punch to the face in front of the net with Delorier on the ice. Ooh. Nothing happened. There was no any, there was zero retaliation. The dude had no fear of doing it. He just did it. Sanheim, our number one 26-minute-a-night defenseman, gets punched in the face. Tyson Forster, one of the kids who Delorier is in there to protect. I saw him get boarded. Nothing happened. Garnett Hathaway is getting dummied by Olivier, and he's just ignoring Delorier. He's trying to interject himself. Nothing. Nothing came of it. I just... I know he's one of the guys who's probably immune to a scratching, I don't know what he's giving you right now. Like, I don't see what he's... He started the season off real well, and I'll ask Charlie about this later, because Charlie's like, actually, who is, you know, not the biggest Delorier fan. He started out the year like, he's been playing well. I thought for the role he plays tonight was just not a great check on the resume for him. You know why he's out there. It's because he goes into Torts' office and starts shooting the shit, you know, <laughs> having a little small talk. And Torts like, you know what? All right, you're back in the fourth line. That's really what I think it is. But no, it's, it's interesting. I think after the Olivier fight, he was just like, all right, you know what? Well, I did my fighting today. I think I'm done. So you guys can push around our guys. But no, it, it is weird because that's really why you put him in the lineup. And if he's just going to allow the other team to push around our guys, then what, what is the point exactly? That's a good point, man. It's a good point you bring up. I, uh, I want to, again, Charlie, he was there in the press box. So he'll have a better. For sure. He'll have a better view of what the. Uh, reception for Ivan Provorov was mm. on his return to Philly in I this one. Bit. But he gets the tribute video. Looked like it was basically just respectful applause. I know a lot of people thought he was going to get booed off the ice and stuff, but I think this was uh, just a mutual good parting of the ways. Like, I think it's better for both parties to just not be involved anymore. Like, hey, man, thanks. Appreciate you. 
You played a lot of hard minutes for us. You played hurt. You, you know, they pointed out on the broadcast he never missed a game due to injury. He did miss the only time he ever missed time is he was forced out because of a COVID test. Right. Like, yeah, no, he was tough. Like he, bitch, he, he played hard for us. It just ultimately wasn't a fit. And the blue line's better for it. I, you know, I, if he was out there having success and the, you know, like Columbus, he was like energizing this, you know, revamped blue line of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, I think people would have a little resentment. But me personally, it's like, all right, man, see ya. Like, <laughs> thanks, I guess, you know? Like, I was a little surprised by the uh, respectful acknowledgement of his return from the fans. But ultimately, I think it's just like, good, he's gone. Like, what, do we still want him here? No. So, see ya. I, I think at the end of the day, despite how you feel about him, I think the facts are he was out of here because he just couldn't be the number one defenseman. Like, we tried. We, we tried. We, we made trades. Ryan Ellis was brought here for him to be the number one defenseman. And it didn't, it didn't turn out that way. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I would have probably just, you know, thank you. Move on. Let's get to this game here. You know, I'm ready to ready to watch some hockey here, but it, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I think for it's either you love him or you hate him. Um, but Provorov also is part of like a, a terrible, weird era of Flyers hockey. Like it's going to be like Chuck Fletcher, Kevin Hayes, Ivan Provorov. So it is definitely a little bit weird. But you know what? Provy's exit actually is a positive. Dude, Sandheim has done a really good job so far of kind of taking over as that top defenseman role. And so I guess we got to thank Provorov for that because Sandheim's really blossoming and yo Sanheim looks like a veteran like that I love the goatee on him he just I I never I always thought there was another level to Sanheim's game I didn't think it was this like he has just been for the most part excellent for this team now he's still every now and then has the rough turnover bad penalty or something but you're asking him to play 25 plus minutes every night like you're gonna make a couple mistakes when you're playing basically half the game you know like sure. that's it's gonna happen i never thought sandheim had this much uh to his game and maybe all he needed was the opportunity and if shipping out prover then i do think that's the other part of it like if we had nobody playing those minutes if it was like oh yeah we're trying to give him the cam york and he's just okay and sandheim and risto are still kind of just glued together on a second pair or something yeah like people would maybe have a little bit extra resentment against Provorov because he was supposed to be that guy. Mm-hmm. But right now, Travis Sanheim looks better than Provorov ever did, save for a few stretches. Like, he looks absolutely excellent. Yeah. So I I don't know the exact reasoning, uh, but Sanheim's great. Like, yeah. he's actually a really, really... And I am, like... And Charlie all along, and Charlie's always been a Sanheim defender. And he goes, I don't know if he's this good. Like, let's, it's, it's, it's still, it's not Thanksgiving yet, you know? But <laughs> it's hard to say, like, oh, he's going to take a huge step back. My reservation is he has throughout his career kind of been like a, uh, a baseball reliever where he's like an every other year kind of guy. <laughs> so, like last year, he was absolutely freaking horrible, like the right. worst he's ever been. So obviously this year, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to win the Norris Trophy. <laughs> like, we'll see what happens for the duration of this contract. But Sandheim's freaking good, man. Yeah, man. It feels like he just kind of is just taking on the role and he's been flourishing in it. And one thing to point as well, we, we talked about Mark Stahl yesterday with Charlie. No lineup changes still, man. So he uh, Torts has been trusting all six of these men. And they've been playing really well, and it's been paying off for sure, man. It absolutely has. Uh, I, you talked a couple of days ago about Joel Farabee. scores a goal tonight. Uh, I've been exactly really looking needed, for man. him to score. He really needed it. I think he's been playing okay, right. but at the end of the day, he's one of the dudes they really look to to provide some offense. It's his first one in, I think, five or six games, so mm-hmm. I think he he badly needed this. Uh, what did you What are you seeing out of Joel Farabee right now? Well, on that goal, I, I just thought that that's exactly what he needed. He got a lucky puck that just rolled him. You know, it was a rolling out of the neutral zone, and backhands it right into the top left part of the net and that's exactly what he needed and I'm hoping that this is what gets Joel Farabee live and starts going on a little bit of a streak because it, it we know it, it can be done with him so I mean this is exactly what Joel Farabee needed man perfect timing yeah I was I was really impressed with what I saw like 
it is a lucky bounce for that puck. For it looked sure. like it looked like the puck was trying to be like thrown basically into the corner and it catches and all of a sudden it's in the middle of the ice, but it was really good anticipation, really good hustle from, uh, from Farabee to get there and then to beat the goalie with the backhand like that. That's just some high end skill. Like I was, I was really happy with the, uh, with the effort he showed on that one. And it's, I just saw a comment. It's uh, it looks like Delorier got the dog mask, like their player of the game. Of course he did. Of course, the day I criticize the guy is the day he gets the dog mask. Are he did have serious? he did have the uh, he did have the fight early in the game. I got uh, so I, I mean, and Olivier, it really didn't look like Olivier wanted much of a part of him, even in the fight. He kind of just was playing mostly defense, trying to make sure he could use his reach and not get knocked out, uh, and then. And then uh, he, you know, uh, they really did. The fight just basically kind of ended. So uh, maybe, but uh, now we are joined by Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. What's going on tonight, Chuck? There he is. I don't have his audio. All right, we will uh, we will try to get this sorted out with Charlie. In the meantime, uh, just thinking about Sean Walker again. Mm-hmm. And this guy, it's something that we talked a little bit about last night. Uh, but he has been, if Sanheim has been an excellent number one, Walker is right there as a, as a really good number two uh, second-pairing defenseman for this team. And just... The idea of the extension has come up, and this is something we talked about a few days ago. It would make sense if he was interested in like a two or three year deal, nothing super long term. However, this is a 29 year old right handed defenseman playing 22 minutes a game. If he signs before he hits free agency, that would be dumb as hell. All right, I believe we have Charlie O'Connor now. Uh, Let's see if we can hear him. Charlie, do you have us? I got nothing. Charlie, yes. I got, I, I can't hear him. All right. Um, <laughs> Charlie, uh, Sean Walker, should he sign? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Ah, he's gone. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah, but it's... I, I'm just very interested to see how he plays mm-hmm. this because hockey players and like I don't think they bet on themselves enough, and we can see every now and then you might misread the market and you end up like Johnny Goudreau, and it's well, hmm, maybe I'm not as happy as I thought I was gonna be, but I just see a guy who like we talked last night. I think they do need to trade Sean Walker because. He's what every team is looking for. That right. like, Every team going into the playoffs is going to be looking for that dude. A right-handed defenseman who plays 22 minutes a night, special teams, five on five. He's producing in all three phases. I think they need to do it, but uh, like he has to... In, if I'm him, mm-hmm. there's nothing stopping me from hitting free agency. I'm like, well, if you're offering it to me, who won't? Like seven-plus years... Big money for like overpay. That's why guys want to hit free agency. That's why teams, that's why players fight so hard for free right. agency. It's because you get overpaid in it. He's 29. He this is his shot to make that stupid money. Like yeah. this is his opportunity to be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a I'm gonna get seven years, seven million a year. Like this is his and if I'm the Flyers, yeah, it looks like the rebuild's not gonna take as long as we thought. Seven years. I don't want to make that sort of commitment to a 29-year-old right now. Yeah, no. Sorry. All right. We have our fingers crossed that Charlie O'Connor is now with us. Charlie, how about that game? Is it on your end, Charlie? Yeah, thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, don't, we don't have any idea what's going on with this. It's some sort of tech issue here. Thank you for bearing with us. As we try to get this, uh, as we try to get okay, guys. these things sorted out. <laughs> no, um, I mean, you, you, re- you really brought up an interesting point. And, you know, we talked about earlier here, hockey players aren't egotistical. 
But if you are a 29 year old defenseman, this is it. He's not, not. If he was 26, it's like, yeah. And then I hit free agency before I'm 30 again. Great. He won't. <laughs> like, this is his chance for that big money. I don't, yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to keep him. And I, I think, honestly, if you can get a good deal at the deadline, you're going to have to pull the trigger on that. It's, it's something we talked a little bit about, Char, a little bit with Charlie about last night, the idea of this group has earned a chance to try to get into the playoffs. If they keep playing this way, if they keep playing this way, I wonder if it's like, yeah, we can't sell. Like, we just can't. But then I look at, I look at a team like Columbus, like we just said. They chose to give their players a chance, and it worked out in the short term. They made the playoffs that one year. They won a round for the first time in franchise history. Then they lost everyone in free agency, and their organization has been in disarray ever since. Now, I think the Flyers have a better base than that team right. did, but it doesn't seem like the move a smart franchise would make. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm completely agreeing with you. Um, they, they can, uh, HC agrees that they cannot re-sign Walker. I mean, it, it is tough. I mean, because like you said, it's hard to find those type of defensemen. And if you if he's willing to stay, I mean, you obviously are going to want to try to keep him there as well. But <laughs> Torch is sabotaging our show. I think Torch likes Charlie, honestly. Because Charlie asks good, like, analytical hockey questions. So I think he's one of the dudes that the coach at least respects he's not an adult a little. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think he, like, dislikes Charlie. So I don't think he's sabotaging the show. He's not on the Morgan uh, Frost dog I count. see someone say there's no way uh, – there's no way – Sean Walker pulls a first-round pick in a trade, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what if it's not a first? What if it's an Owen Tippett-like guy, uh, a tweener who just hasn't established himself on a really good team? Also, I think, like, Kimo Tiemann got two seconds, and he basically couldn't play anymore because he was going to die of blood clots, but was willing to risk it if he could get on a cup contender. Like, I... I don't know if he wouldn't. Like, I just saw Tanner Janot go for a first last off or last trade deadline. And, yeah, he's a fighter and brings a little element. He had one 20-goal season, but he basically is just Nick Delorier out there. And he went for a first-round pick. Like, I I can't say he won't, especially if a few teams are in on him and they're just missing. The, if you think you're a little bit of defense depth away from – Going to the Final Four, getting to the Stanley Cup Final, winning the Cup. What the hell is the 31st, 32nd overall pick to you? Right. Like, why Why are you... Oh, well... Uh, maybe, hopefully, that we draft with the 31st or 32nd overall pick. You're trying to win the Cup, right? I could very easily see Sean Walker, if he continues at this pace commanding a first round pick or something similar like the like the Giroux return. I mean Giroux got a first and Owen Tippett, but like an Owen Tippett Morgan Frost type guy. Someone who just hasn't established himself on their team but could play a role somewhere else as a early 20s type guy. And he's even helping out the guys right now. As they showed a clip on, on the uh, broadcast, um Cam York was a- asking questions to Sean Walker. And he, I love seeing that type of dialogue for, you know, we, we've talked about Cam York on this pod as well. Like Cam York is another young player that we don't know exactly what we have in the future with him either. And love seeing him being proactive and just trying to get some knowledge from Sean Walker. Obviously he's hot right now. Got man's got the hot hand, get that juice from him. And that's what he's, that, I love seeing that type of stuff here on the sidelines. Yeah, we've been, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. Like I just saw uh, JB Philly, uh, you re uh, where to go. You re-sign Walker and trade Risto in the summer. That's the move. Who wants I Risto's see, contract though right now? Uh, yeah, I wonder who. I mean, you're going to, you would probably spend more on a Risto type player in free agency than he's currently signed for. And it's, you know, it was a five-year deal at the time. So he'll have three years left on it, I believe. Uh, so it's not a crazy amount of money or years, but I don't think those two guys are comparable right now. Like Sean Walker is producing offensively. He's helping the penalty kill. Mm -hmm. He's doing everything. Like Risto hasn't even hit the ice yet this year. And we don't know when he will. Like I would, I would actually, I'd be willing to make that trade off JB. Like if someone was a, was a, you know, willing trade partner to take Rasmus Ristolainen, but 
who the hell would be at this point? Right. <laughs> the guy, he's been hurt to start the year. We don't know what the issue is. And Sean Walker is just better. Like, that's one thing I've learned about him in this short period of time. Walker's better. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it sucks too about Rissa because he was coming off of a, a, a good year last year. It seems like he was improving and towards his first year. And we don't, and we don't even know what to make of him this year, man. It is definitely tough for sure. Uh, look at Samu Tuomala. He was a second that is now just starting to make an impact in the minors. Yeah, no, listen, you're going to be getting probably if it's like as where some people are predicting a second round pick for Sean Walker. Like, is it really worth it? <sighs> there are. I mean, yes, a lot of second round picks don't turn out. Also. Wayne Simmons, Duncan Keith, like these dudes are all, and listen, Duncan Keith spent two years, two full years in the AHL. Also, he was the number one defenseman on the last dynasty we saw. Right. So like, I don't know, I'd be willing to make that trade off. And now listen, those are obviously the exceptions to the rule. Those aren't the rule, but a team rebuilding, don't forget, don't forget that those can also be traded again. Like you get those second round, you don't have to make those picks. Right. Those guys you select or the pick itself can be traded for something else. Right, we are going to, uh, are we going to try again with Chuck here? Okay. Charlie O'Connor is with us. Let us see Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. What's up, Chuck? Can you hear me? Oh, oh we got him. Yeah. We got him. Oh, there was a slight. Like your mouth started moving a little bit before the audio. And I was like, oh no, here we go. But now we do have you, Charlie. So welcome to the show. Welcome to the first five game winning streak since the team won nine in a row leading up to the COVID shutdown. Uh, just first your impressions of this game. What did you like? What didn't you like? Yeah, it's funny. Some one of the other reporters asked me in the uh, in the locker room when the last time the Flyers won five games was, and I was like, honestly, those are the types of things that I depend on other people to figure out because <laughs> I don't like. I, well, the thing is, like, I don't care. I don't find that stuff interesting at all. But I know a lot of people do, so I just let someone else do the work for me, and then I'm just like, oh yeah, it's been that long because people care about that sort of thing. No, they played well, and look, Columbus is a bad team. The Flyers are making it abundantly clear that I don't think we're sure we're quite sure what they are yet, but I think it's abundantly clear that they're not a bad team. What we watched tonight on the other side was a bad team, and that is not the Flyers. The Flyers are clearly a step above the Columbus Blue Jackets and teams like the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, how many steps above they are? I guess they're going to show that over the next few months, but they're clearly on a different level than teams like this. Yeah, I, I like... I started the show, or earlier in the show, I just said, this was, I thought, a pretty big game for Columbus. Like, Patrick Laine scratched, Johnny Goudreau coming home after, you know, being benched in that third period recently, played the fewest minutes he's ever played in an NHL game. They've lost eight straight, like... That was a desperate team tonight, and the Flyers are coming off an overtime win against the best team in the league. If there was ever a chance that they were going to come out flat with the backup goalie and net, everything, like, tonight was that night, and I think they really showed the difference between this year and what they've been in the past, that they aren't going to come out, oh, yeah, like, this isn't a, uh, as Doc Rivers would say, scheduled loss. You know, like, <laughs> it, it, I, I was really, really happy with the resiliency they showed throughout the game tonight and just the way they started the game hard. I was I was happy with it. Um, I do have to ask you about a few few things that happened in game. I want to start out with the uh, with the first goal because I saw you tweet about about Faraby after he scored. How would you assess his uh, progression this season, Charlie? I think he's been really good. I think the maybe got off to a little bit of a slow start at the very beginning, but I really think for basically the last three weeks, three, three, four weeks, I have to go back and see when exactly I think he started to turn it around, but. I've been very impressed by Joel Farabee. If anything, I want him to be getting more ice time. I think that's probably the only thing that's keeping his counting stats down lower than people. Like, he's not scoring enough that people who only look at, like, points and goals and assists are going to be like, wow, Joel Farabee's taking a big step forward. But as someone who's watching the games and also someone who's going deep into the numbers, Joel Farabee is taking a big step forward. He is driving play. He's scoring goals, and that goal that he scored, the, the opening goal tonight, 
that's a goal that there's no way he scores last year because he physically would not have been able to score it last year. Like he's got a guy, and granted, it's a it's a smallish forward in uh, in Chinnikov, but he's got a guy hanging all over him on that play, and it just didn't even matter. Faraby just powered through it, and then like legitimately roofs a great backhand uh, over Martin. It was just a fantastic play, and and that speaks in my mind to all the work he put in the offseason. You know, this was a guy who I think. The Flyers knew, and I think Joel Farabee knew, that he just wasn't strong enough. He was strong enough to hang on in the NHL and to be a decent player. But he was going to need to bulk up. He's, he was a string bean. He wasn't strong enough. And after this summer, when he clearly put the work and the time in to get ready, he's a different player. It, I, to me, it's a lesser... It, it's it's a lesser example of what Travis Sanheim did. Travis Sanheim worked his tail off this summer, got bigger, got stronger, and you're seeing the effects. Travis Sanheim, did, or Travis, uh, Joel Farabee didn't put in on as much weight and as much muscle as Travis Sanheim, but he put on some muscle and he put on some weight, and it's really showing. And he also doesn't have the frame Sanheim does. Like, Fra- Sanheim, <laughs> he's not Chara, but he's fucking gigantic. Like, and Joel Farabee, it's not, I don't think this was, like, for a lack of, like, work on his part. Like, he hurt his neck lifting weights, right? Yeah, like he was trying to get bigger. He was trying to get bigger and stronger two years ago. It just didn't work out. And we saw what happened. He injured his neck. Now he's back and he's looking like the dude a lot closer to what we uh, to what we expected from him when they drafted him. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie, well, let's move forward to Bobby Brink, man. Back in the lineup. Power play goal looked really well. You know, five game winning streak, but not everything's butterflies and rainbows in Philadelphia. Obviously, we have to have a little bit trauma here. Um, but you know, for yourself personally, I mean, Bobby's definitely one of the, is like the number uh, within the top 10, uh, forwards, top, top nine forwards here within our team here. Right. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. And I, I got to give a shout out to bill on this one because I did not think for that sure. Bobby Frank was going to come back in, but bill, bill called it. He was <laughs> like, you know, John Tortorella has his chance to bench Morgan Frost and he is going to take it one game without a point. You're back in the press box kid, but yep. no, I, th- I thought Brink did a, did a really good job in his first game back, you know, Tortorella for the last really since the road trip, uh, to, to California, but really even before that, he's been preaching whenever anybody asked him about the power play. His thing is just shoot the puck more. Like he was really taking on the persona of all those crazies in the upper level of the, the Wells Fargo Center just yelling shoot. That's pretty much been John Tortorella's suggestion to the power play for the past two and a half weeks. And you know what Bobby Brink did? He just shot the damn puck. And he's got a pretty good shot when he uses it, as he showed. Like that was a shot that Martin probably should have stopped. It beats him clean, but you need to have a good shot for a goalie to wish that he stopped the puck. And that's kind of where that where that played out. I thought Brink had a good game. I thought he showcased the uh, the chemistry with Farabee on a few shifts. I thought he just looks he looks like an NHL player. He looks like a quality NHL player, and he looks like a guy who I never want out of the lineup. I never want him out of the lineup. I assume he will be again in uh, some time in the near future, Charlie. But I will say, watching the a little bit extra of a step he had tonight, whatever it was, maybe they're handling this right with a player like him. Maybe he just none of us thought he was NHL ready two months ago. Like none of us believed that to be the case. And then he had an excellent training camp and it's like, well, (laughs) he has to make the team. This is all about meritocracy. Like he was the best. So he has to make it. Maybe they're handling him right. Like I look at, I look at the way uh, the ducks have handled Carlson. I look at all the way back to Joe Thornton when he played like every other game, basically as a rookie, maybe this is just a way to handle a guy and we're not going to like it because we want to see our faves in the lineup every night. But I I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm going to throw a fit if in 10 games we see Bobby Brink sit a couple of times again because it worked. But I do have to talk about his counterpart who did come out of the lineup tonight, Morgan mm. Frost. And it's a conversation JP yeah, and I had a favorite. couple minutes ago. I'm contractually obligated, Charlie. There's nothing I can do. I must talk about Morgan Frost. Uh, he comes out of the lineup, <laughs> like you said, didn't have a point, so he's no good, has to not play. Um, cool. We just talked about, like, what – if Ryan Paling is now this team's 3C, what is stopping what is stopping us from seeing Noah Cates come out of the lineup perhaps paling back down on the fourth line and Morgan Frost playing more? 
Well, I think what it boils down to, truthfully, at least I'm, I'm giving you a window into what Tortorella is thinking. Tortorella is thinking Noah Cates, because of the way he plays, can play on the fourth line. He can play a fourth line game in between Hathaway and Deloria. Ryan Paling, he currently wants to give him an extended audition in a scoring role. To his credit, he did have a lot of points tonight. Now, granted, one of them was on a two-on-zero on a on a PK, and the other one was like the cheapest primary assist you will ever see off of that ridiculous Cam York empty netter. But the guy finished with three points, so I, I get the idea of like, let's see if we can maybe find something more out of this guy. So if you're using Paling, if you're using Paling in the top nine, it then becomes okay. Would you rather have Frost or Cates? centering the fourth line and Tortorella I think rightfully looks at it as yeah Cates can do it and Frost probably can't that's just not his style if I give him Delorier and Hathaway as wingers it's going to be a disaster he's not going to be able to use them that said I am iffy on this whole idea of continuing to use Ryan Paling in the top nine like this is all stemming from I think Torts wants to try Paling in the top nine and then Frost is kind of the guy who's getting screwed here Okay, there's a lot of kids up here um, because <laughs> reasons. So you're going to hear probably a lot of voices in the background. Just they FYI. They want to be part of the show too. Hey man, we're 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 if trying no. to we're trying to get all the kids in the lineup. We're also trying to get them all on the show. Uh, Charlie, just in terms of of Ryan Paling. Now, I get that he's probably not an ideal like three C top nine forward, whatever, but. Like he does, he will not have the offensive upside. Morgan Frost probably will not create the consistent offense. Morgan Frost could, given the same time. But in terms of a role going forward with this team, we talked about the log jam. You know, when whenever Cutter Gauthier's season ends, if he's a center, well, there you go. We have four. You know, is it just that? no matter what Morgan Frost is going to be the odd man out. Cause that's what it looks like to me simply because Ryan Paling, does he fit the role he's in now? Maybe not, but he does fit a role at some point and Morgan Frost just doesn't. I think there's probably the best argument in favor of this continued weird treatment of Morgan Frost. And look, I, I think Morgan Frost should play. I want them to find out what they have in Morgan Frost. He's young enough where he could theoretically be part of the solution. That said, the Flyers don't play that poorly when Morgan Frost isn't in the lineup. Like, I want to see what they have in Morgan Frost. I think it makes more sense to play him. However, however, like, they didn't miss a beat without him tonight, and they didn't miss a beat without him during that run when he was out the first time. So it's one of those things where, personally, I want Morgan Frost to play. However, I don't see him as essential to making this work. And I know you're laughing because there's a lot of kids behind me, but this is what happens when you do in a press it's, box. It's great. It's great. It adds, it adds to it, Charlie. It adds to it. Um, real quick on the power play, you know, back-to-back -back uh, games that we got goals from our power play unit. But going forward, do you see something from the power play unit that shows that, yeah, maybe we'll see some more consistency from power play? Um, not really, to be honest. Now, now we have kids bringing their hands behind me. Um, anyway, uh, awesome. I, look, I, look, I think, I think they're shooting more. I think that's a, that that's an improvement without a doubt. That's an improvement. However, they're still not making creative enough plays with the puck. It's a, it's a problem that's going to keep going. Okay. So look, if you shoot the puck more, you're going to get some bounces. You're going to have some plays break away. That's what's been happening the last couple games. But the core issue with the power play is there isn't enough talent. There isn't enough creativity and that's not going anywhere. Now, if you just shoot more and you put more pucks to the net, you're going to score some goals. Like it's hockey. It, it's played on a sheet of ice. Bounces are going to happen. But in terms of actually fixing the power play, no, I, I don't think that's in the cards with this strategy. Uh, just a couple more from me, Charlie. Uh, Sam Harrison, we've talked about his adjustment to the backup role. You know, he's not playing a ton. This was his first start in nine days. I thought he was really good. What did you see out of uh, out of Harrison? Yeah, I don't know if I would say I thought he was really good. I thought he was fine. I thought he had a, a perfectly fine game. And that's honestly what you need from your backup in these types of situations. You're playing as a team that isn't that good. It's the second game of a back-to-back. -back. You just need your goalie to give you a chance. And that's what Arison did. I don't think he was stellar. I think he was fine. And I'm glad that fine is, again, Arison's baseline because now he can work to be better than fine, hopefully, in the future. What's going to be interesting, though, with Arison is that, look, now Carter Hart is back. Obviously, in a back-to-back, -back, you're going to play your backup goalie, most likely. It makes sense. 
But over the next few weeks, we're going to see Arison probably have some runs where he doesn't play for a while, where he's functioning in more of that traditional backup role, and he's going to sit for a while. And he's going to need to prove when the schedule opens up a little bit that he can still deliver a game like this after sitting for a week. And that's going to be pivotal. He still has to prove that. They gave him a shot doing that early in the year. He flopped. Now he's playing better in large part because I think he's just played more. I asked him after the game if he felt like the additional games he was playing over these last few weeks, if that allowed him to get into a rhythm. And he said, yeah, honestly, it did. But it's on me to figure out how to function in a backup role. I think he can do it. I believe in the talent. But he has to show he can do it. And we're going to see that, I think, over the next few weeks, as long as Carter Hart stays healthy. Charlie, real quick, um, obviously one of the big stories leading up to this game was the return of Ivan Provorov. Got a little chirpy video. He also got a goal in this, you know, kind of from your perspective. What did you think of Ivan Provorov's return to Philly? Yeah, I mean, I think Provorov was Provorov. You know, he still doesn't look good on the power play. I believe he actually got that goal taken away from him. I think they gave it to Boone Jenner. Um, yeah, Boone Jenner kicked it in. Him. Yeah, so, uh, so he didn't get a goal, but he did get an assist on that play. Look, Provorov is Provorov. He is... If he were to accept what his limitations as a player are, namely that he's not a particularly good offensive defenseman, I think he would be a very rock-solid top-four defenseman, whether that's a number two or a number three on your depth chart. I don't know, but I think he could do that. The problem is is that he has convinced himself that he's an offensive defenseman, that he's this incredibly skilled guy with the puck, and you see it on the power play. He's too deliberate. He's not creative enough. Nothing happens when he's got the puck up top. And you saw that tonight. Like, I thought he made some good defensive plays. I thought he made a really good defensive play on that um, that Brink play where Brink yeah, almost had Brink a good play. Took him. Down. Yeah, that was good. That was a really good play. I think Provorov has a lot of good things about his game. But until he accepts that he's not a high-end offensive defenseman too, I think he's always going to run into these issues where he's going to underachieve. That's just my opinion. Uh, last one from me, Charlie. I just want to know, was there any talk in the uh, in the press box about, like, what the hell's going on with Johnny Goudreau or just the line A scratching or the shit show that is Columbus? Because, like, I look at them and think of a reality, like, what the Flyers might be coming up to this deadline we talked about earlier. The, the Columbus team that didn't sell made the playoffs because they had to give their guys a chance and then they lose everyone in free agency, get nothing for those guys. And then suddenly they've, they've been a mess ever since. Like, I don't think that's going to happen because the flyers already have a base, but like any talk about just what's going on there. And like, is Johnny like trying to get his way out of there? Like any, anything about Columbus? I I don't know how Johnny is going to get his way out of there. Like, I don't know who's (laughs) taking that contract at this point. Like, John, if Johnny wants to get out of there, Johnny needs to play better because Johnny looked like crap tonight. Like he did. Yeah. He, he, I, I'm not going to say he looks checked out because I don't want to put him. But I want to. I don't want to put myself in the mind of a player. But at the very least, he doesn't look happy. He and you know what? How could he be? He signed with a team he thought was on the up and up, and then this team has to fire their coach before training camp even begins. They're a gigantic dumpster fire of a mess. They went out and they 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 traded for Ivan Provorov. They signed Damon Severson, so they think they're better than they are. And Goudreau's probably like, well, shit, this team's a dumpster fire, and I'm signed for another, what, five and a half years with this team? Like, yeah. I'm stuck here? Uh, yeah, I understand why he's probably thinking to himself, man, what the hell did I get myself into? All I wanted to do was go back home, and I ended up in Columbus. Now, as for Line, look, Line's Line. And he's he's a streaky player. All goal scorers are streaky. But the big thing with him is that when he's not scoring, he's not doing anything else because he's a one-dimensional player. And he's not scoring. So when he's not scoring, he's pissing off his coach. And the thing with Columbus, too, and this goes back to the whole reason why they hired Babcock in the first place. They really believe, from Kekaline and on down, they believe that under Larson, after Tortorella left, because he didn't really get fired, it was more like a mutual thing, that they lost a lot of their accountability. And the whole thinking behind getting Babcock was that he's going to bring back the accountability. He's the closest thing we can find to John Tortorella without him being John Tortorella. Now, of course, the difference is, is that John Tortorella actually gives a shit about his players in his own weird way, whereas Mike Babcock is just an asshole, period. And that was what Kekalainen didn't realize. But I think this line A thing is in part an attempt to try to reinstill that accountability. 
it's just coming off as another example of how much of a dumpster fire this team is because you've got Patrick Line. You should have known what you signed up for. My last question, five game winning streak, magic numbers 10. You got a lot of Metropolitan teams coming up here. You got two against the Islanders, one against the Rangers, one against the Canes and one against the Devils. When does this end, Charlie? When do the Flyers lose? Do they lose? I mean, yes, they're going to lose at some point. I, I'm going to I'm gonna say they lose on Black Friday against the Rangers. I think they beat the Islanders on the island, but I think they lose on Black Friday. The Rangers are, are a good team. They're playing well. Well, maybe not. They're not playing as well now, but they're a good team, and They've been I, I think that's where it comes to an end. I think it's where it comes to an end. Yeah, I'm not sure if, because I looked at it, the last time they won this many, it was right before. So I don't know if they need to win 10 in a row or if they just can't get to nine. I haven't decided which way is going to prevent another global yeah. disaster. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it. So yeah, they've won their last four. I, I don't, I, to be tr- truthful, guys, like don't ask me questions about other teams when I'm in the middle of covering a, a team. I'm not following what the Rangers are doing. I know they're a good team on paper and they'll probably right. beat the Flyers. Charlie, that'll do it for us. Thanks a lot for Thanks, joining Charlie. us. I will uh, I'll see you tomorrow, my friend. All right. Bye guys. <laughs> I agree with Charlie. That's... I think the Islanders game will be the one we win. Rangers is one we lose. Yeah, he's uh Charlie always gets stressed by questions about like another thing when he's focused in on it. on one thing. He's uh he he works really hard to master one thing at a time. He's excellent at what he does, but yeah, he was never gonna he, he doesn't want to talk about streaks or anything like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we uh, get on with the show, I lost what I have to do next. Oh, this is a good one for everyone listening. I got to tell you about the PHLY Locker Black Friday sale. That's right. This is a read for, for our own company, and I'm pretty excited to tell you about it. It runs from uh, 1124 to 1127, so it's coming up this week, Black Friday. Uh, maybe you want to get something. I don't know. Maybe you're coming to our, uh, our party on Saturday. You want to represent? PHLY Locker is the way to do it. Right now, you can get 25% off the entire locker at phlylocker.com. Spend 75 or more and receive a $15 gift card. Uh, I can't think of a better deal. Get the Bobby Clark shirt while you're there. I don't know if we can call it the Bobby Clark shirt, uh, but it looks like a little like 8 or 16-bit image of like NHL 94, and it's <laughs> it's a flyer wearing you know a C in number 16. Love it. Uh, you can probably guess who it is. That's the only one we have on there. We need to sell a ton of those so they start using my merch ideas more. So it has to start with this shirt. Listen, you all know, you all know what everyone thinks about hockey. We're the ugly stepbrother, all that shit. We're the ugly duckling. It's hockey. It's the fourth sport. Maybe fifth because the union are so good. <laughs> Go out, get that, uh, get the uh, get the Bobby Clark shirt at phlylocker.com. You can get twenty five percent off this week starting Black Friday. Hook it up, hook it up, fam. It's bad because last night I went out in, in South Philly, and my fiance asked me if, if I'm going to go out in my flyer shirt. I was like. Yeah, you know why? Because I don't see a lot of people <laughs> wearing flyer stuff out anymore. People look at me now, they're like, whoa, you're really wearing that. Yes, I'm wearing that. I love this team. I know they're not the best right now, but I'm still going to show love and represent. And it's, and it's always, flyer stuff is always another hockey person will find you. Like sit down at, at the bar if you're wearing like a flyer's hat. If the bartender's a hockey fan, automatic like oh my god someone else to talk to finally i've been waiting all night for the one flyers fan and they're actually worth talking about right now it's uh it's pretty great and if you're looking for more flyers gear well i gotta tell you the best place to find it it's at foco baby because foco has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead they've got overalls hoodies hats sunglasses bags anything you need for game day plus you know maybe you're in the market for those accessories toys or collectibles for your man cave she shed or podcast set they've got it all You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. And for all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY for 10% off. That's promo code PHLY for 10% off at FOCO. Just use them. I'm sick of telling you people, listen to me. That's all. Have I ever steered you wrong in the past? 
I rarely lie. Like I do sometimes, but not about this stuff because I'm pretty sure it's illegal. So use FOCO <laughs> and uh, you'll make me very, very happy. Uh, do you have anything else, JP? I forget what we were even talking about. No, man. Listen, guys, enjoy this run. Obviously, it's holiday season and we're going to have a lot of Metropolitan opponents. So hopefully the Flyers, you know, during this the, the season of thanks and giving, we can, uh, they can give us some good wins here because it's fun having a 5 winning streak, but it's also fun. Beating your rivals. It is with the with all the rivalry games coming up. And there's it's just more fun this time of year when the teams are all good. You yeah. know, as much as some people might be on team tank, like, you know, the Sixers are doing well, the Eagles are obviously incredible. I don't want the Flyers to suck right now. You know, like maybe after the Super Bowl and we've already had that parade and I'm like checked out anyway. Like, sure, they can suck then. But this time of year, always more fun when the Flyers are good and they are right now. So I encourage everyone to really enjoy it. Aaron Nola signs back. Nola back. Sixers baby. get the win. Flyers get the win. Good night, Philadelphia. Three for three day. All right. That is all the time we have for you on the PHLY Flyers post game. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button and follow us on this Twitter page. Make sure you're here. Never miss a live show. Follow the podcast. You know how to do podcasts. You're all millennials and shit. And uh, <laughs> follow us on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called. My name is Bill Matz for JP Zapata. Have a great weekend, Philly. See you guys.